Hello ladies and gentlemen, today's podcast is with my good friend Andrew Richardson. The topic is on NBA basketball. Me and Andrew have been NBA fans since school and why to talk about this year's free agency, some of the upcoming players and who we think is going to rule the NBA if the Los Angeles Lakers for example will go back to back, any free agency moves in the NBA draft. But yeah, this is a new change to the podcast, you'll hear more and I'll update you as we go along and make these changes. But when talking to Andrew, I decided to go in a different direction this time. I did think it made for a good podcast. So even if you aren't a fan of NBA basketball, you don't know much about it, it might benefit you to listen as you might pick up a few names or learn a bit more about the teams. So I hope you enjoy the podcast and stay tuned for any more episodes I've got coming in the future. So thank you guys for listening and I'll see you later. Welcome to the podcast. Well, hey, I'm here. <laughs> Andrew Richardson, ladies and gentlemen. Well, hey, the man, the myth, legend. Exactly. School, school friend, fellow basketball fan. Oh, yeah, Kobe. Yep, we love, we love basketball here. I decided we're going to switch it up today. So, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm looking down here, I'm scrolling. The Lakers basketball. Yeah. Apparently, Lakers fans are sharing their thoughts on where the team stands as free agency continues with reports that the franchise has secured reigning six-man of the year, Montrez Harrell and veteran god Wesley Matthews, but lost Dwight Howard to the 76ers. Mm. Uh, they also picked up uh, Dennis Shroud as well, which is a great six-man off the bench as well. Mm-hmm. So, it's looking pretty good actually, to be fair. Good depth. If they keep Anthony Davis and keep LeBron... They've got good depth on off the bench and on the off on and off the bench. So maybe another championship won't run, but I don't know. But I see what other teams do to do. They can't carry. Yeah, I'd say a two peat or even a three peat is definitely impossible with this roster. Um, I, I can see that happening, but at the same time, the NBA is quite competitive in. Yeah. How teams just shape their stuff. And like Miami Heat is looking like it's gonna be even better than last year and they went to the finals. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't know about Milwaukee. I don't think they've done that much. Toronto was quite strong last year. So was Oklahoma, but they got rid of Chris Paul and Stennis Schrader, which were really good for them. Yeah. But yeah, it'll Probably be quite interesting, even though we had a quite a big shake-up last season. We're going to get another big shake-up this season. Which is mm-hmm. weird to have two big shake-ups. But interesting, interesting. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I heard somewhere that the Oklahoma City Thunder, I think, was it around like a percent chance they had of making the playoffs at the start of the season? Yeah, and they easily got in. I, I think it was the fifth seed they got mm-hmm. in playoffs. And that was like a really good seed. Um, and they went up against Houston, which is a good, really good team as well. Mm-hmm. So, And they did very good against them. So I don't quite understand why Oklahoma's shaking it up again. Because you, you've got to remember, they've got something like, they've got first-round picks guaranteed, like two first-round picks until 2027. They got from trades last year. 
So I don't understand why they need even more picks and trade yeah. the best players because they've already got so many. But whatever. Just have to wait and see what they do with that. Yeah, I mean, there's building for the future and then there's getting picks <laughs> for 2027. I mean, how long are you wanting to rebuild for? I, I don't think it's I don't I don't think it's a rebuild. I just think it's a a constant stream of talent that they're wanting, just not like a full shake up. Mm-hmm. I think maybe after this season they don't shake up anymore, and they find who they want, and they're going to go for who they want and keep who they want, and build it through and build the rest of the team through picks and everything. But, yeah, I could see. Where it, you're coming from? It's so weird though because they could they could literally use all those picks and get really good players from them back as well. Like they're quite valuable picks. Mm-hmm. So weirdness. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say there with the last sentence. How do you feel about Dwight Howard wanting more money and then at the end he settles for two point six million for a year? To the 76ers. Not massively bothered, honestly, do what he wants. It's. Has he got a connection to Philly? Like, isn't he bo- like, born near there or something? Um, I don't. I don't actually know. I. I commented, I remember because ESPN first take of a YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. And I commented when Dwight was pretty much saying, I don't want to play for free anymore, you know, with the Lakers, you got a ring, you know, you won the NBA finals, which you'd been wanting to do forever. Yeah. On like, a, probably the most historic franchise in the NBA, mm-hmm. or at least top two. And, you know, he's complaining about money and it's like, well, you know, you had your payday quite a long time ago. Yeah. I understand like there's tax and there's, you know, people, um, other people who we might have to take care of, but, you know, at least, you know, a million dollars isn't exactly playing for free, you know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and you're getting a championship. You, even still, with his savings, and like, as you say, he won the championship, there's, there's going to be some money in that. And uh-huh. When he was in Orlando and uh, got transferred a couple of times, he was still on a good contract. Like, I think in Orlando, he, he just about reached 20, and after that, he was on about 10. Which even still, if you're having like a fifty percent tax on that, that's still ten mm-hmm. five million each year, which is really good. So can't complain about that. And yeah, and you got to remember how many injuries he's had as well, like serious injuries. Mm-hmm. So he he's not that deducts his value, but then he's a great player currently. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just a mix of. What you can get. Cause you want them for cheap, but you don't want them to leave you. Yeah, I could. I could. The the thing is, right? I understand. Like, I'm. I was very happy for for Dwight. Yeah. When he won the finals, and it just puzzles me that what he actually said is quote mm-hmm. about you know not wanting to play for free. You know, those were his words. Yeah. It's just really, really strange because. On top of the the money he was making in Houston, probably Atlanta, Charlotte, you know, and of course Orlando, yeah. you know, the sponsorship deals mm. and there'll be contract bonuses and there'll be perks of being an NBA player. You know, you yeah. can eat at this place for free if you were, uh, you know, 
make a social media post, like a tweet saying, I bought this house with such and such, might get a discount. You know, all these little things do add up. And I think it, it was just, to me, it just annoyed me because, you know, there's a lot of people across the world who are struggling right now. And he's talking about, you know, not wanting to play for free. Yeah. In his terms, you know, playing for free is still earning, you know, a, a seven-figure salary in a year. I mean, there is a point that he's been underappreciated, but it, you mm-hmm. bring, do bring up a great point where people are lucky to have a job and he's guaranteed a six-figure job. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At least, because I think minimum veteran, veterans' wage in the NBA is something like 1.2 million. Mm-hmm. There's still six figures, so it's like... If you're on guaranteed jobs and you're getting still paid six six figures if you don't fuck things up in the media, which is yeah quite easy not to do. So people get hyped up, yeah, at a crazy age. Like that seems to be one common theme in any sports, whether it be you know like MMA, basketball, or football, or or golf. You know, it can be practically anything. It'd be temping bowling, <laughs> yeah, and, and people will still find a way a uh, hype. You up and it, it almost seems dangerous because the pressure that you're under at such a young age now and yeah. you know the the money that you you know whether it be um i don't know like a, a club or your national team and big brands and sponsors are all asking you to perform while paying you lots of money and yeah. you know because you're only human you can have your off days and yeah. these brands and Various people are just going to get annoyed at you because you can't constantly perform. That, that stuff it's is like... so uncanny toxic for anyone. Yeah. If you remember, like, I'm going to bring it back to basketball, but like Lonzo Ball and his mm-hmm. dad, and then Melo Ball, who's just came in, their like, mm-hmm. expected performance was ridiculous. Lonzo mm-hmm. was brought in thinking that he was going to be the next as his dad said, Steph Curry. And he's not been that. But that's just because his bringing up has been so incredibly toxic. It's been like, you should always be the best. It's like, you don't need to be the best always. There's a point where you yeah. have to like, criticise over everything. And that's what his dad did to make him, make Londo that person. Great. I will say that the expectations, just to, to give context, Lonzo Ball uh, was a prime example of a kid who came upon the social media scene yeah. and it, in its height. There was, and often in basketball, a lot of mixtapes, uh, a lot of highlight reels that come out in, in you know, high school, so sort of our age uh, or younger sometimes as yeah. well. And you know, the you got to remember, like, to get to any sort of professional level of a sport, you've got to be in the top 1%. Yeah. So you're going to look amazing anyway, and then you get hyped up by everybody, and next thing you know, your dad starts saying that you're going to be an elite player. Yeah. So, for example, Steph Curry, who you mentioned, to the people that don't know, um, first unanimous MVP, so that means most valuable player in the National Basketball Association of America um, and the, there's a panel of voters every year and every single person on that panel voted for Steph Curry and at such a young age usually uh, kids come in from anywhere from about I'd say 18 to to 22 yeah yeah you know when you really think about it 
it we almost get desensitized to the fact that even 22 year old that's very young to be playing in the yeah. NBA but cuz you've got 18 year olds on the other end of the spectrum it it seems like old but in reality uh, every sort of side of that is young well if you look at like a standard 22 year old what they've just came out of university like sort of thing if like they went that route they've like they've literally went to university and just came out of it looking for a job and the, the, there's and there's players in the NBA that have been in the NBA since 18 they've made like upwards of 10 million in those four years and you compare like how successful you can be if you're so competitive but you know what I mean yeah, I'd, I'd say the it, it's like you said before when you said it was toxic. I, I I agree to in a in a way because the fact is you're getting these child athletes now. You know, people who like from the age of three are telling their mm-hmm. kids, you know, they they're like uh, for not force them to play a sport, but just force them to do sports in general yeah. until they find a sport that they possibly have a future in. And the kid doesn't know any better, really. And like you're seeing all these reports now coming out about for example in american football um you know contact sport and a lot of helmet hits yeah and there's there's studies coming out now about brain damage you know dementia and alzheimer's being a being a risk same within football and heading the ball you know all these things especially when you're playing as a as a kid yes there's different sort of rules may apply and that you know you might try your best but there can be shock incidents in every sport and the thing is I just don't think it's very moral to have kids training kids when they're like three years old because it's almost like you're you're trying to just make money out of your kid you know when you see these people and these kids playing football for example on on social media and like three and they're shooting into the net and everything I think it is a lot about money in all honesty there's like there's passion then there's money and passions, it'll be, you can do what you want, but I would rather you do this, and I would want you to do well in this. But if you don't do well, don't worry about it, sort of thing, where, like, money's just like, you got to do well. That's the toxic part, mm-hmm. where it's, like, forcing to want to do that well. But if you, have, if you had a true passion for the kid and the sport, it would be like, oh, do you want to go and do that? Not, you need to go and do that. It's different. Completely. Yeah, it's 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 just like it's only gonna get worse in a sense. Yeah. I think like we're only because the the money now that like kids really more, are making. More, doesn't it? Because yeah, you, you have the kids that the, the the superstar on Instagram, and they're still bringing in loads of money comparatively for the age, and they're getting that until they're eighteen, and then they get to the big leagues and then they're getting the big league money, money plus the previous money they got but more and then you get the shoe deals and then you get the brand sponsors and then you get car sponsors and it's just all about money it really is it's nothing to do with passion did you see the statistic I think it was something like 40% of it might have been footballers exclusively yeah. But I don't know whether it was just uh, across sports athletes. I think 40% end up going bankrupt. Mm. Because, 
like nobody's really designed to hold that amount of money if you think about it it's not like um another route when you're like a, a businessman yeah. and you you know you go to a economic school or finance school or something and you've got your business degree and you understand how x and yeah. y works you know it, it it's like you're getting paid for your talents and yes you can hire certain people like an accountant to look over your money but at the same time like, so much money <laughs> it's got to be pretty overwhelming yeah. i mean i don't people always bring up the point of their athletes being paid too much Mm-hmm. and it's like oh well a doctor should be paid a similar amount because they're more important and uh, I do agree that athletes do get paid a ridiculous amount of money but if they were paid less that would lead to less as you say bankruptcies and everything like that so it might be beneficial for the player as well as people's opinion on them so it, it would create a stronger brand of them if, if you know what I mean, well, that was a bit of a stretch, but <laughs> it's fine. I um, I was just thinking that as you were speaking, like maybe not just just don't give them it in like in just cash. Like maybe recommend them to invest in this mm-hmm. or pull the money in this, because like you you see all these investments now, whether it be in stocks, you know, people like to invest it in watches and real estate stuff like that that can sort of hold its value a bit better than just blowing it on stupid stuff. I mean, as a as a basketball fan, you'll know about Delonte West and, and Mark Cuban, the Dallas Mavericks yeah. owner, finding him. And he was, you know, homeless. And Delonte West, I think his, like, career earnings in the NBA were 20 yeah. million or something. And that excludes, you know, he might have got deals um, in his time at the NBA and, you know, also... 20 million because we're talking about the NBA and there's people who make you know, almost double that in the NBA yeah. a year it doesn't sound like a lot of money but if, if you won the lottery tomorrow and you won 20 million pounds that's, that's a lot of sorted. money so there's no doubt about yeah. it that's your life sorted that, that's more than what people earn in a lifetime so mm-hmm. I, I, you see the, you said about saying um, why not? You, why don't you put in the stocks? But they could add a like a age thing where it, the money gets released when you're a certain age or maturity sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So instead of being eighteen, you got like five million in your bank. What's an eighteen year old going to do with five million? He's going to spend it on loads of uh-huh. crap that's not going to have any value in two years, sort of thing. But if you wait until the 25 and have thought about it, that means they may actually go and invest it themselves instead of having to get a financial advisor and say, oh, you have to go and do that yourself. Uh, I would do that for you. So that it becomes a bit more independent, but then they don't spend up, spend much on jewellery or shoes or flashy cars sort of thing. They kept it at quite, quite practical level where it's like, you get this amount of money until you're 25 and then release your full contract money and you can go and do what you want with it. Sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a good idea whether the kids in the NBA would want to agree with you. That's another, another <laughs> yeah. question. I, I, only, way I say, only, why, only reason why I say that is just because I 
as you said, people get in bankruptcy because they go and spend it on so much tax. So, in all honesty, it benefits both the player and maturity, and then also means they don't end up in bankruptcy in 10 years because they've done that when they're 18. Who's your go-to team then? Well, I, I've always been like Oklahoma City support, supporter, mm-hmm. so I really did enjoy their team last year because I, I really enjoyed um, mm-hmm. Chris Paul and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, like duo. That was really good for me. I, I really enjoyed that. And also Stephen Adams upped his game last year. He was really good off, uh, off, often on the bench whenever they were playing. But um, I can't even tell you at the moment because it's so weird what teams are doing. Like it would be like players that you thought would just stay at one team left, or people that like teams that you think would just keep those five players were just like being traded in a big deal. It was a massive, massive mm-hmm. shakeup. It is literally like the trade deals imitate twenty twenty one at twenty twenty. How weird it's been. Been a crazy year in total, so like you really can't go and say, "Oh, I think this team next year as well." Yeah, like it when you look at a trade deal, and you see some of them, and the one that spooks me is just how the Oklahoma City Thunder just decided to trade. Yeah, I didn't get that because they've got Oklahoma City's got quite a bit of young players, and you would think a great leadership like Chris Paul would drastically helped those younger players to make them better. It it drastically helped Shea Gilders Alexander because they play quite similar in in the way they score as well. So it was weird that them getting rid of Chris Paul. And did you see what they got back for Chris Paul? They got It was it was some some bench players no, pretty we got much Kelly got Ubrey Ubrey. And Ricky Rub- Rubio who were pretty significant players and then you got two bench players one was decent and one I don't think actually played before and it was like so you've just got rid of like a veteran talent who can lead a championship team to little kids essentially and two young decent players and decent as a stretch and then the trade away Kelly Ubrey as well so, but I mean, Kelly Oubre, I mean, his his greatest asset is pretty much being everybody's NBA <laughs> crush. Yeah. Um, Ricky Rubio again, like you got to remember, he was picked before Steph Curry. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, Johnny Flynn and Steph. Well, Johnny Flynn and Rubio before Steph Curry. And like, look, I don't think either of those players yeah. are really bad because I think that you know they're decent players, they're serviceable, than Ubrea's potential. But right now, we are talking about Chris Paul, who, yes, you know, last season he stayed healthy, and I understand he had you know injury trouble. I remember it was um, with the Rockets where he pulled up against uh, the Warriors in yeah. the fourth quarter, um, and I understand those question marks about his injury status, whether you can stay healthy. At the same time, though, it's a big plus for the the Phoenix Suns, who've never won uh, a title before, I don't believe. Um, And 
you know, now you've got Devin Booker. Devin Booker's a, 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 a great player, a great young player, and people were, were questioning his future because I, I think if they didn't get Chris Paul, then Booker would be, you know, away or asking for a trade because he's, you know, he, sure, he's not old, but he is getting mm. older, he is aging, and we've seen what he could do when he... Um, when he's on his game, you know, he's he's a great player to watch. And he's just one of those players who you feel a bit sorry for sometimes because you know what he could be capable Good of if you had a, a, a partner. And yes, he has Aiden, but now you've, you know, you've got Aiden, uh, you've got Chris Paul and you've got Devin Booker. Yeah. It's a, well, a um, decent-looking team I think now. as well, I think he brings off-court value because in my personal opinion, yes. I don't think DeAndre Deontay and, and um, Devin Booker are particularly mature players. Because you got to remember the start of last season, yeah, Aiton got in trouble over substance, like pro-enhancing sub- substance. And then uh, Devin Booker's always been a bit of an immature person. So I feel like a very, very, mm. very mature person like Chris Paul, because he's been around for so long, will benefit those two players as well. And the Phoenix Suns is quite young, so everyone will benefit from Chris Paul being there. So, I, uh... Yeah, Chris Paul, I always remember Chris Paul for uh, his, his spout with Rondo when he uh, <laughs> started, when they started fighting yeah. on the court at the Staples Centre. That was that was a great a great fight, and they they've always had a bit of a bit of beef, you could say. I remember watching a, a video by um, Secret Base or SB Nation, as it used to be called, that was just highlighting the the whole beef, and it goes back since uh, Paul's New Orleans Hornets days, and and Rondo was uh, going and winning titles, but then Chris Paul makes it on the US team. And Rondo is stuck on the, you know, sort of the reserves yeah. and the practice team, pretty much scrimmaging and, and playing practice matches. And then he ended up just saying withdrawn and just saying, yeah, you know what, I don't want to, I don't want to play anymore. So in, in one sense, Chris Paul, you know, I think, again, he's getting the opportunity to lead a team. You, you know, you got two young, young yeah. or at least younger guys there who you can really help and, and mature. Um, I still think it, is a better situation Oklahoma City, but you know at the end of the day, Chris Paul's one of those players I want to get, I want to see him get yeah. a, a ring, a title, um, or at least close to that. And you just got to rely on the other guys' as, uh, maturity and mm. also injury health, as well as Chris Paul's injury health. I just hope that they make it. There's four teams that you know aren't going to make it really. You, you've got. Uh-huh. New York Knicks they're not going to make it because they're too young and they haven't got a good coach I don't think about I don't think uh, Oklahoma's going to get through just because it's it's Shea uh, Stephen Adams that's like that's their two big players like, they're the best players on that team and then yeah Orlando isn't massively competitive. There's two. There's loads of injury troubles on there. The players are injury prone. Then uh, Chicago Bulls. They've just been a bit stagnant for the past couple of years. They're like the four 
they're the four teams that I could say that I don't think are going to make the playoffs next year. And the rest of them, I think, would have a good chance of making it. If if they get like one or two pieces extra, they could make a championship mm-hmm. run. But if they don't get any two pieces, that they have a good chance of getting even just in the playoffs, which is impressive. Um, add, yeah. add to that list off the top of my head. Yeah. I'm going through all the teams. Um, I'm thinking probably the the Pacers wouldn't yeah. make it through. I'd say as much as I, I like Victor Oladipo, I don't think he'll ever return mm. to that form. Well, I think he can be a good support player. I think he can, you know, somebody who can who can offer something definitely, but I don't think he'll reach all-star level again. He, he did come back from his injury. And he, he was playing really, really good, to be fair. He, he, he diver, his game was a bit more diverse, actually, when he came back. So if he can divert, if he can make his game even more diverse still, I think that he, like, he's, he's uh-huh. got it. I think he's sorted. I mean, I, as you say... I, he reached all-star level, but you don't think he's going to come back. I think he'll just be just out of like the picks. Just about yeah, like you'll be yeah. almost there to all-star level. Right, it's like the team, it's like the player everyone wants, but never going to get there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say to as well. Who else am I thinking? Detroit mm. maybe because they're just like again. You know, Detroit is a place. It's literally a meme. The Detroit, as as a city, is now a meme, and it is truly sad what's happened to Detroit because it, you know, in the sense, it's it's yeah. close to to concert in a way. How it, you know, it was a sort of a working a working place, and yeah, the, theirs was more based on uh, cars and the motor yeah. industry. That's why it's called Motor City. But it's not too distant from ours. You know, we were we were a. Um, Steelworks, you know, it's industrial place. It's it's not too far away, and the their place, you know, I'm thinking of Detroit in the past teams. The bad boys yeah. were good, and obviously they got that. Uh, I think they got the the ring with Larry Brown as the coach in like yeah, yeah. That, the mid two thousands. Um, which yeah, yeah, Chancey Billups, um. But right now, it's just like, it seems like the players that they've got there aren't bad, but it just seems like you've got 29 teams and then it was like, right here, the players that like couldn't fit on the other <laughs> yeah. team will just stick well, them in Detroit. Yeah, the one that didn't fit any other team was just like the rejects almost, yeah. Now I get that. Because it, it's uh, Blake Griffin on there, isn't he? Is Andre Drummond still yeah. there? Was Andre Jordan? Um, oh God knows where Andre Jordan is now. <laughs> um, I remember. Oh Derek yeah, Derek Rose was playing. <laughs> See, because the thing is, by rejects, I don't necessarily no. mean they're the worst players, but it's just like you couldn't imagine any no. of these players playing together. Like a few years ago, I couldn't imagine a Blake Griffin, Derek no. Rose. I mean, it's like. It's like it was like the almost fit players, isn't it? They they would almost fit on the yeah. trailblazers or they almost fit on the heat. 
but not quite. So they just shoved up to Detroit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like that's I, I get what you mean when you're saying that. Like it is a bit like that how they how they form their team, but and other teams. Let's think because there is more. Let's think about it. We've got yeah thirty teams in the NBA. There's a lot of spaces. You name four. I've named two. That's six. So there's still what, yeah. eight more teams. <laughs> May as well go all out. Um. See, the, there's question questionable teams, like teams that are good, but I don't know if they can actually improve. Like a uh, a Trailblazers team is a perfect example. Portland. You know, Damian Lillard, obviously a great yep. player. CJ McCollum. Uh, you know, good player, reliable, but is it time now to possibly say, look, you don't really need a good shooting guard because you've got Damian mm-hmm. the point guard. Invest somewhere well, else, whether it be depth or whether you get a maybe up, a um, center Derek or Jones or... Jr. from the Heat, which I think is a good pick, like a good mm-hmm. pick up for them personally. Um, but you also got like teams like the Wizards. They've been They've literally done nothing for the past, uh-huh. I want to say, four years. Four seasons I've done anything. Uh-huh. Um, you got Timberwolves. They're like pretty in-between team. Not really much going on there. Charlotte looks like it could be good. Which, because last year, uh-huh. like since last year, they've look, been looking good. And they've been on an upward trend. Cavaliers, you don't need to say that much more. It's Cavaliers. It's really not good. You got the Spurs. Oh, the Spurs are weird because they missed the playoffs in there last year. And I think that's going to be the trend from now on. Yeah. I think that could be a trend from now on that they could miss. Because I think that they need to shake up the management. And uh, I know Pop is good, but. He's almost seventy. You can't work miracles, yeah. you know. He's not like Mother Teresa. He's you've got a bit of a, a disjointed team, and I guess you know he's got to be thinking. He's, old. You know, he's getting he's getting old. Retirement, old, you know, you'll get that NBA pension. Just yeah, just just think about it. Like I'm pretty sure Demar Derozan doesn't yeah. want to be there necessarily, and the Spurs fans don't. Not like hate them, but you know they're just like whatever about them. Again, I'm looking at a team like Cleveland, who they seem a bit stagnant. Yes, they've got young pieces, but they've also got you know Andre Drummond and Kevin Love, who I think neither of which are necessarily no. outstanding. They both do jobs. Andre Drummond obviously, you know, just rebounds the ball, but all he's going to do is yeah. sit around the rim and just <laughs> chuck layups and and put back dunks until he yeah, yeah. Much with, injures himself. With Cavaliers, it's like. The young picks that should have potential haven't got a massive potential. Mm-hmm. Like the biggest potential they should have is Colin Sexton, and like even it's a Colin Sexton. Mm-hmm. You've heard rumors all last season of like not being good for the team. He's been really bad for mm-hmm. the team's cohesion and us. And then you have Kevin Love, which is like he's just so. Like, 
he just doesn't want to be anywhere, I feel like, as well. Like, he just plays it for the sake yeah. he's getting money. No, he's not, like, actually enjoying being at a team. He's just there. I think Kevin Love, I remember I actually, in my on my college course, I'm pretty sure my first year, I had to do some kind of uh, research task. And I remember doing doing one in basketball, and I found a, yeah. an article by Kevin Love, um, and it was about his mental health and de- depression. I think that was the topic. Mm. It was about people's mental health at the time. And Kevin Love was like, got to a point where like he felt sick on the court. And I think he just had to run off at like half time because he was that like nervous and, and shook. And I feel like Kevin Love was like the, the unfortunate sort of part of that Cleveland team, uh, the history making team with LeBron. Not because he was bad, because at that time he was still good. Yes, he wasn't Timberwolves level, but I think that was because it was practically a one-man team at that point. It was just like people were constantly changing and Kevin Love was just sort of staying there. But at the the Cleveland trade, everybody else seemed like they had an exit strategy. But Kevin Love, because he had to adapt to playing with LeBron and get less ball touches, and people are just looking at his stats going down, you know, each each year... You know, while he was playing with LeBron and getting injured, that armbar by Kelly Olynyk, which is awful to watch, um, in that playoff run. You know, he he was pretty much a victim because everybody else could move. You know, LeBron he of course move where he wants. Have every other team in the league. Oh. Yeah, uh, Kyrie Irving, probably best one of the best dribblers and ball handlers of all time. You know, he's pretty. So after, especially at that time after the game winning yeah, game-winning shot of his, um, you know, when everybody else was just a, a role player pretty much, or or somebody that was a veteran, and you look at Kevin Love, and you know, you can see there was definitely some talent there, and there's still, you know, a player, a decent player. Like some teams could benefit off his presence, but I don't think it's a, a good fit with the Cavs because I think you have enough in Andre Drummond. Um, where you can just get maybe a young power forward or even a veteran mm. and invest elsewhere or, you know, maybe well, trade for a pick and, and save up. Over the last two to three months, I think Zion was more important to the uh-huh. Pelicans than Jar was to the Grizzlies. I mean, it is a hot take. It is a very hot take. That's a hot take, <laughs> but I respect it, Andrew. It's good. It's good to have these opinions, and it, it's nice to talk to somebody who, who you know, doesn't have yeah. necessarily everyday opinions, and and you know, is is a bit out there. And it's nice to. It's good to know that you know you just you say what you want. You know, you don't don't, don't get me wrong. Don't hold back sometimes. I, 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 I have that. a complete respect that John Rand is a fantastic player, but I think in Zion was massively uh-huh. hyped coming into the NBA. The last couple of months of uh, Zion was really uh-huh. good. Like when he started playing, was really good. But um, again, if we're going to go back last season, yeah. most improved. Not Van Ingram. I can't remember what you call him, but uh, he's on the Charlotte Hornets. He, the season previous, he was averaging one point eight points. D- That's the one, Devontae Graham. Is I it Devontae think he Graham? He was absolutely snubbed in that. He, he played fantastic. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So, LeBron, Wendy Davis, MVP, Champions, Lakers or Mavericks? 
Yeah. Could put heat in there. Could put heat in there. Defensive, Yanis, I think, probably. Uh-huh. And then a uh, rookie, Lamelo. <laughs> that's that's a solid list and you know what I'm going to write that down and we're going to come back to it after next season and we're going to we're going to talk no, about it once the know. NBA awards come out <laughs> and we're going to compare and discuss then I think that's a good plan <laughs> and you never know you might have just you might have just won somebody a lot of I money, put money on that, put bets on might put a quid on that <laughs> <laughs> yeah no problem it was fun well um, thank you for coming on Andrew yeah definitely yeah we'll make sure to do this again you've been listening to Talking Talking the NBA with Matthew Pescod and Andrew Richardson thank you for your continued support thank you for listening <laughs>